If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Episode one of the Faith on Fire podcast, Tax Planning for Individuals, Best Practices to Help You Improve Your Tax Return This Year. Stay tuned. You are now listening to the Faith on Fire podcast, a pod for financial literacy, coaching, and real life examples on how to transform your finances. I'm your host, Simone Brumel. Follow me on my path to financial freedom, and I'll give you tips on how to start and continue yours. Money is a tool, so learn how to use it wisely. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the first episode of the Faith on Fire podcast. I really and truly appreciate everyone who clicks play, who subscribes on Google Play, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. I really do truly appreciate it. Today's episode will be about taxes. Very timely, and I hope it's helpful to everyone listening. By now, W-2s have all been mailed out. It's mandatory that employers mail them out, postmark them at least, by January 31st. So if you haven't received it already, you should be expecting it in the mail anytime soon. So that, along with all the rest of your tax documents, you're getting ready to speak with your tax accountant or whoever is doing your taxes for you. And I figured we can talk about best practices and planning tips, not just for tax year 2019, but thinking ahead for tax year 2020. So that's what are you doing this year, 2020, that can benefit you next year, this time around in January, 2021, et cetera, to have a better outcome for your tax compliance. Now, the information we'll be talking about will be general. So that's the caveat, meaning no one person situation, no two people's situations are exactly the same, even though there's some general rules and tips on things you can do. It may not apply to you. It may not be the best practice for you. And for that reason, I strongly suggest you consult a tax advisor, someone who knows what they're doing, knows your situation specifically, and can deal with those nuances. Now, there's so many different areas of that, but today we'll specifically be talking about individual income tax. Obviously, I say that to differentiate between corporate tax because... That's a whole different ballgame. And I know we all hear the stories of the Amazons and the IBMs that pay zero in taxes after making millions and billions of dollars in revenue. 
this will just be talking about individuals and the income they make and how it's taxed. Now, like I said, it connects with our government and political system because all of these tax rules are based on laws passed by Congress. If you remember Schoolhouse Rock, that's I'm only a bill on Capitol Hill. All of those rules and what's determined as tax or not comes from them. So to the extent you feel things are unfair or you would like to see changes, the end of the day, it's really up to you, your civic duty rather, to be involved in not only federal government, but your local government, because all of that affects how you are taxed. Okay, PSA aside, your income taxes are the largest and primary source of revenue for the government. So what are some things you can do for yourself to come out with a favorable tax situation? Knowing the rules, knowing the exceptions, and how you can apply them to your life and what makes sense for you, what you're able to do, that's tax planning. And it doesn't have to be restricted only to super wealthy people and you don't have to have millions of dollars to plan and implement tax planning anyone can do it you just have to know the rules and if you don't know the rules know someone who can walk you through it so i hope that's why you're listening today so when we think of income that's essentially money you're earning as an individual and earning income can be categorized into three different groups. So you're either an employee, an independent contractor, or a business owner. Now, employee, I think we all understand clearly you work for a company, they pay you weekly, biweekly, whatever, you get a check and taxes are withheld from that check every pay period. And at the end of the year, they send you a summary statement that says how much you made and what was withheld for tax purposes. So on the next episode, I'll go more in detail about independent contractors and self-employed and really talk about how entrepreneurs are taxed if you're starting a small business so you're in maybe a hybrid situation but today we're just going to focus on that w-2 so as an employee the main thing you want to do is check your withholding i know especially with the recent tax law change a lot of people got caught up in under withholding because the rules changed and what was applicable to withhold in the past didn't apply. Another example is when you have significant life events, meaning you get married, you have a child or you get divorced, any change in your life and financial situation, you get a raise, you get promoted, you get a bonus. This affects your tax withholding because it either changes how much money you make or how you are treated for tax purposes. So the one thing you as an employee have to make sure is correct is your withholding. And there's IRS forms and like calculators online you can type in periodically to see if you're over or under withheld through the year or to that point of the year. And we'll talk about withholding 
a little more in a second. But as an employee, that's the first thing I want to point out. The second is your retirement benefits. So if you have a job that provides a pension or a 401k, that's great. Utilize that as much as possible. If you can, max out your retirement contributions. For 2019, the maximum amount you could put into a 401k was $19,000 for the year. If you're able to do that comfortably, that's great because that's current tax savings and future investment for when you no longer are working. So it's only benefit to you. Now, there's definitely items to consider before going all the way and maxing out at your 401k, right? Because that's a lot of money to put away and you can't get to it as easily. Um, so you definitely, you want to make sure that the rest of your budget can accommodate that, but to the extent you can, I strongly encourage it. If your employer doesn't provide you a pension or 401k option, there's also IRAs, which offer great tax benefits, save not only in your current tax return, but obviously saving for retirement. So having income for the future that's currently earning and growing that will help you at a later time. So to all the college graduates who had to take out student loans and you have those loans plugging away every month, making payments and you're paying loans with interest You want to save those student loan interest statements. That's something you should be expecting from your student loan servicer. The government allows you to deduct some of that interest on your tax return. I guess it's the least they can do after you spent that much money on education. The interest on the loan is deductible. Now there's limits on that, which we won't go through, but again, if you have debt and you're trying to pay it down and there's you're not sure how to attack it one thing to consider is to tackle the unsecured debt or the car payments the high interest debt first because at the least the student loan interest could possibly be deducted on your tax return now again there's a lot of factors to consider in making debt pay down plans. So this is just a general statement, obviously, but one of the benefits of having student loan debt, if they're, if, if you want to think of a silver lining outside of the education is that some of the interest is deductible for tax purposes. So another area of tax planning for my parents or people who are guardians of children, childcare is Another area that the government allows you to get deductions as well as credits. And the difference between the two is the credit is specifically to the tax you owe where the deduction is to your taxable income. So outside of having a child and being able to claim that claim them as a dependent, They are also eligible for the child tax credit, which is up to $2,000 for each of your qualifying dependent children 
or child if you only have one. There's also phase out limits and deductions on that to every specific situation. Then there's the child and dependent care tax credit, which is for the costs you pay for child care, which is a big cost for a lot of people. So this is another area where you can plan throughout the year. One of the requirements to claim this credit is you have to report the child care provider's information, which means it can't be just a close family member or someone you're paying off the books. You have to be able to report this child care provider. And the reason simply being, if you're paying someone, the IRS wants record that this person is collecting money before they give you the credit. Not only are they collecting money, but the idea is this this child care provider is also paying their share of taxes. Another credit that's available on your federal tax return, and it's not specific to children, but generally for parents with children in college, or if you yourself are not a dependent on your parents' taxes and are still in school, you can claim an education tax credit. There's two different types and there's rules for each of them, but in general, there's up to $2,500 of tax credit. If you're enrolled in school, taking classes, you can take this credit for tuition paid. So these are some general areas of tax planning that can really help you for your return. Some things you may have to look into for 2020, right? If you weren't able to max out your 401k or you didn't have childcare costs that you can actually claim this year, maybe that's something for you to look into for 2020 where you find a different childcare provider or you start putting more money towards retirement. And again, there's other things people can do. And I really encourage you to speak to a tax advisor for your specific information. If you have questions, you can message me on Instagram at Faith on Fire LLC, also on Facebook. Or if you want to send me an email, it's sbfaithonfire at gmail.com. So that was a quick break to plug my socials, but let's get back to talking about standard and itemized deductions. So the standard deduction is a set amount that is available for everyone based on your applicable filing status. So... For this tax year, 2019, that deduction for single filers is $12,200. If you're married, $24,400. So that's just saying whatever income you have will allow you to take this amount against it as a deduction before we calculate how much tax you owe. The other option is to itemize your deductions, which is to break out into detail the things you believe will get you a greater deduction compared to the standard amount that the government allows. Your overall goal here is to reduce your taxable income as much as possible. 
and I'm just gonna go over the most common itemized deductions. First, charitable deductions. And this one is really important to me because I really believe that no matter what your income level, you can be involved in some level of charity. The amount you give, so if you have any charity you really are involved with, civic organizations, whatever it is that you're giving to, you can claim that as an itemized deduction. The next two areas are specific to homeowners. And honestly, and in general, people who itemize their deductions are people who own property and start to own things. It's pretty difficult to come up with enough deductions to clear the standard deduction if you don't if you don't own a home so mortgage interest is one of those things it's not the amount you pay to the principal of your home but the interest on the loan so whatever you have in mortgage interest for the year you're allowed to claim that as an itemized deduction another big one is your state taxes and that includes state income taxes you pay for the year as well as property tax, school tax, all of those state and local taxes that you pay. Now, for a lot of high state jurisdictions, New York being one of them, uh, California, you think of your kind of coastal states that have really high taxes. They saw a big hit in the recent tax law with the state tax itemized deductions being capped at $10,000. And if you live in one of these areas and own a home, you know that your state property taxes or local property taxes can be more than $10,000 all by itself before you consider what you're paying in state income tax or anything else. So this is definitely one of the areas that people saw a big change in how they are itemizing their deductions so it's just something to be cognizant of if you're planning to buy a home or just as you're preparing your taxes each year that that state tax deduction is capped at ten thousand dollars so those are some of the credits deductions and just overall benefits you can consider when tax planning as an individual and as an employee in particular. So lastly, I'll just go over some do's and don'ts, best practices, no matter what your situation, things I encourage people to do when filing their taxes. The first thing is to ask questions, get help. I find so many times people just go along or they just have someone who does their taxes and you hand off your paperwork, get it back and let that be. So if you're giving someone your return to do, ask questions, make sure you look at the return and that they actually signed it. Ask questions about what deductions you have, what, what credits you're getting, have those conversations. Your tax preparer should be going through all the things you can do throughout the year to improve your tax situation. So all of the general things we just talked about, how can you in your specific situation apply them? 
So ask those questions and, and make that the tax preparer you work with give you those answers. And if you feel like they're not, find someone who will. So my second compliance best practice or tax return best practice is to stop planning for these large refunds because you're over withholding. I know it's so good to see this unexpected check come in mid-April and now you know you can take a vacation or you can buy new clothes or things you were looking at before. It's like coming into unexpected money. But if this is solely because you're over withholding, right? Meaning throughout the year on your paycheck, they're taking out a lot for taxes. And then at the end of the year, if you owed, say, $20,000 in tax and they withheld $30,000 in tax, oh, look, I have a $10,000 check. You are giving the government a $10,000 loan with no interest. It's your money. They're not going to pay you more because they held it throughout the year. That's $10,000 you can be investing for yourself, whether that's even in just a high yield savings account versus having the government hold it for the year. Make sure you are checking your withholding. That goes back to the first point. If after this year you realize that, okay, I could probably change the amount I'm withholding. And if you feel like you're the type of person that you need to put it in a separate account and you're afraid of spending it. Um, so, so you like getting that large check at the end because you feel like you've saved it for yourself versus if you were getting it, you would end up spending it right away. Just set up automated transfers, put it into a savings account. If you need to move it into another banking account, it's better for you to invest your money than for you to give it to the government just so you can get a large refund check. The best case scenario is that you owe them nothing and they owe you nothing. The third best practice, do not pay for accelerated refund fees. And I know, again, this goes to the idea of looking forward to this money and feeling like, okay, I need it right now. But there's no reason to, again, pay for your money or pay someone else for your money. File early. And if you can't wait the four to six weeks or however long the IRS says it takes to deposit it in your account or mail you a check, then you need to have a larger conversation about how you're managing your money throughout the year. And I say that not ignoring people who are in extreme poverty situations and living paycheck to paycheck, that's a different situation. These tax rules and tax planning does not specifically address someone who is living off minimum wage or at the poverty line. The fourth best practice is to not delay. If you owe money to the IRS and you just think, I'm going to file an extension, that does not cover what you owe them. An extension of time to file is not an extension of time to pay. 
The IRS says, okay, I'll give you more time to figure out what's going on with your tax situation and with your paperwork, if that's becoming an issue, but you're going to have to give me money right now. So make a best guess, make an estimate and you need to make a payment. And then once you get all your paperwork figured out, we'll work out the details. If you do not make a payment by the tax deadline in April, they're going to start calculating late fees and interest and penalties. And that just makes it worse. So if you're in a situation and you know you're going to owe them, so maybe you had a large gain or you came into some money this year, that's great. But just make sure you pay them on time. All right, so... I'm going to leave those as the best practices for this episode and hope you tune in for the next one. Okay, so that was a lot of information, but I really hope you were able to take something away from it and are able to apply it to your tax filing this year. Again, I'm asking if you could like, subscribe, share this podcast with friends and family, just get information out there, help them. The next episode will be geared toward entrepreneurs. So definitely spread the word to your budding small business owners. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and leave feedback on Spotify google play please please subscribe and follow me as i continue to release episodes to help you with financial literacy and bring you on my journey to financial freedom thanks for listening